the 13th chapter. You can just put your finger there and we'll get to it in just a moment. Uh, have you ever been hurt? We've talked about grief and trauma. We didn't get to our boundaries on last Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit led in a different direction, but we did have a wonderful discussion around the table Wednesday evening uh, over breakfast and uh, discussion about boundaries. Uh, but this morning, I believe that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, it's, been, it's inevitable that we all have been hurt. One way, shape, or form, someone's uh, already broken your heart, hurt you, spoken an ill word against you, disappointed you, let you down, rejected you, abandoned you, and now, because of that, some in the building and some listening are living in resentment, bitterness, and anger. Different levels of that usually goes from anger to resentment to bitterness. And then the Bible in the King James even uses this fancy word, guile, which is just another word for bile. It's got so nasty inside of you because you've let it eat at you that it's coming up as mm. the pain of the past may have you wrestling with questions like this. Pay attention for just a second because I think this is where a lot of us are because I've heard your stories. And you've got questions like, why should I ever trust again? Or how can I ever forgive them? And most commonly... Can I ever be loved again or will I ever love again because of the things that you have gone through? Perhaps you can relate and maybe you've got a wayward son or a daughter and it breaks your heart that he or she is far from what you believe they need to be in relationship with the Lord or perhaps you were dumped or divorced or maybe even the sarcasm of your spouse is harmful, not humorous. Um, could it be that someone you care about has given you the silent treatment for months now? We've all felt the sting of disappointment or the searing emotions of being burned with words or actions. But as we've been learning this month from the deep well of God, it was not his intention for you ever to walk around wounded, but for you to walk around whole. His intentions never have been and never will be for you to walk around in pain, anger, resentment, and bitterness, but to walk around whole and to love like you've never been hurt. Like, pay attention. I didn't say you haven't been hurt or to ignore the hurt, but you can be healed from the hurt so that you can love like you've never been hurt because a lot of us have slammed the door shut on our hearts. We've closed people off and we've not opened ourselves up even to the love of God so that we can be healed because we've been given a false representation of that loving Abba that we just sang about. And because of that, we walk around wounded, and because we walk around wounded, guess what we end up doing? We end up wounding other people. Getting hurt is inevitable, but it's not the end of the story. Love is a powerful force. We cannot and will not reach people that have been hurt or any other 
area of their life that they may be struggling in, we will not be able to reach them with any other language than, other than the love language. There's all types of vocabulary and language that is being used in Christendom today, one of which is very sin-conscious and heavy, and it's very uh, depressing when you hear it, and it's full of bad news, but the love language of God that talks about the goodness of God that draws men to change their minds and repent about who He is and how He sees them. You know, we can even repent about our health. We can change our mind about the direction that we've been going in and start speaking words of faith over our bodies and believe that we are whole, well, and healed and then begin to operate and walk in divine health. You and I must refuse to allow our hurt to dictate to us how much we love and who we love and how we love. If you have not had the opportunity, please go see the Jesus Revolution. How many have seen the Jesus Revolution? Okay. I would encourage you to go see this movie. Um, very powerful. It's... Um, Starts off with a church that is struggling, and, um, but the pastor is full of love. And because he loves the unlovable, things begin to transpire and transform. Uh, and a whole movement came out of it. It's encouraging. But love is God's greatest weapon. Lisa said it last week. It's his greatest weapon. His greatest response. It's not angels, it's not the prophetic, it's not powerful preaching, it's not awesome anointed worship, but his greatest response is and will always be love. So let's go to 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter, let me read verses 1 through 4. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. When you've been hurt, instinctively, you will end up hurting. But if we can get a hold of the love of God that's been poured abroad in our hearts, Romans 5 says, by the Holy Spirit, when did He love us? When we were yet in sin, He loved us and died for us. And if we can realize that He has poured that love abroad into our hearts, then instinctively our response, which is the greatest response that God has, is love. But as long as we walk around wounded, we won't be able to do that. Isaiah 30, 26 says, Moreover, the light of the moon will be as light as the sun. The light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And in that day the Lord binds up the bruises of His people and heals the strokes of their wound. Can you imagine when we allow God to heal our wounds, 
our nights become like days and our days become seven times brighter than they could have been before. Why? Because we're not walking around wounded. Out of hurt and wounds, we produce constant contentions that affect the atmosphere. Then we become emotionally exhausted and people will even say things like, this is hell on earth. When I told you God's intentions aren't for you to walk around wounded, you could go all the way back to Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, verse 25, and he'll tell you what his intentions were for you as his children. To have as the days of heaven on earth. But people in church pews are living hell on earth. That's not God's intentions for them. That's not God's intentions for you. You will more than likely be hurt by the ones that you love the most. I see a lot of heads shaking on that. We're vulnerable in those areas. We love them. We feel that they love us, and then there will be great hurt there. But we've got to refuse to allow hurt to dictate how we love. Stay in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse number 8. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And whether there are tongues, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love never fails. It always wins. It's easy to love when we have the same viewpoint as someone else. If we have the same lifestyle as someone else. If we have the same likes and dislikes, that's why Lisa loves me, because I love the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it would be more difficult for her to love me if I wish her mom was here this morning, because all of her family are Redskins fans or the Commanders or whatever they are now. We are called to love differently. There, what, what has happened is we have learned a transactional love. It's a business transaction where if I love you, then I will get something from you. And we've brought that into the church and we think the love of God is transactional where he will only give me the blessings or he will only bestow upon me his love when I do certain things or I avoid certain other things and that's a transactional love and God's not a businessman, he's your father. And he loves you unconditionally. He doesn't look at your behavior. Now, should I have good character, integrity, and humility? Absolutely. But when I fell in those areas, he doesn't look at my behavior and determine whether he loves me or not. I'm thankful God doesn't sit in the field and pick the, daisy, the dandelions or daisies or whatever they are. You know, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. It's always, I love you, I love you, I love you. I wish you'd do better, but I love you. I'm still going to keep on loving you. The door is open. The light is on. I love you. Straighten up. I love you. See, his love is not cautious. It's extravagant. And when we can understand his extravagant love for us, then it will help for us begin to not allow our hurt to dictate to us how we love and who we love, but we can love out of the great love that's been poured abroad. In our hearts. Remember, we are loving well and we're drawing from that deep well this month of the love of God. 
a broken home, you know what the answer for it is? God's love. For an addict, do you know what the answer is? God's love. Do you know what the answer is for fractured relationships and heartbreak and heartache? The deep well of God's love. And we need to learn to choose to love over our hurt. We need to learn to choose love for others always. We need to learn to choose to have our hurts healed so that we will instinctively love instead of hurting others. Three quick things that I think can be a resource for you that I want you to start thinking about, meditating on, and asking Holy Spirit to help you in. Okay, are you ready? Number one, when we need to love someone who has hurt us, someone who's living a lifestyle contrary to what you are living or what you have been taught that they should be living, here are three things to love, ways that we can love people. Number one, simply love them and don't judge them. Talked about it last week. Prejudice is pre-judgment. And making a pre-judgment is judging someone based upon outward appearance, vocabulary, all types of things, behavior. Don't make pre-judgments. Don't judge people and don't try to change them. Now see, that's very difficult for us because the first thing that we want to do when we see someone that's not living the lifestyle that we think they ought to be living or what characterizes a Christian, then we want to change them. Love, let's just love people and let the Holy Spirit change them, okay? It's not my job to change you. Now it's difficult when we come up against this tension of this wall in Christendom right now where there's a strong tension between what grace is and people will put all types of adjectives in front of it. Well, that's just sloppy, agape, and greasy grace. You can do whatever you want. Listen to me. doesn't matter what adjective you put in front of it. It's still God's grace and it's still God's mercy. And you can put whatever adjective you want to. It's still scandalous. Where's the mirror at? It's still scandalous. It's awesome. God loves me. I'll preach to myself and tell myself, don't say things that will result in arguments. I am flattered by the individuals who watch our services and then spend the rest of the week on their social media trying to tear down everything that we said on Sunday morning. I'm flattered by it. At least you're watching. But for me to engage in that and say something, to gaslight that into an argument, where's the love in that from me? Number two, find common ground. It doesn't matter what an individual's lifestyle is, you can find common ground. I've got a guy at work, he likes to play disc golf, okay? So guess where the common ground is that I can talk to him? I'm not going to talk to him about the way that he should or should not be disciplining his children. It's going to cause an argument because we probably don't agree. I've already raised mine. He's still got teenagers helping Jesus. So let's talk about disc golf. It's common ground, and we can spend our time there and we can learn to communicate with one another. Well, he'll, 
I can give him a listening ear to what is going on and we will not have the arguments and he won't, even if it's religious things that he wants to talk about. I'll listen, I'll make a comment, but I'm not going to say anything that is judgmental or brings up an argument. Why? Because then I just lost him. And remember, the only way we're going to reach people is with the language of love. You can't reach people that you're against. <laughs> Number three, make adjustments. One of the most difficult things for Christians to get a hold of is making adjustments. They're so rigid and dogmatic. And this is the way it was for 42 years and We've never done it this way before. I mean, they were saying things like that when Jesus was alive. He would do a miracle, and they said, well, we've never seen it done like that before. Well, you know why he did it? It's because he loved that person. He wasn't just rebellious and trying to rebel against the law. He saw the person, and he was more concerned with what their need was than the rule that had been in place. So I'll loophole this rule because I love you, and let me touch you and heal you. Don't want to reach anybody that you're against. Make adjustments in your life. Go along with whatever they plan. Be a part of their world instead of forcing them to be a part of yours. It's never wrong to love. It's never out of order or out of place to love someone. You do not have to compromise your faith to love somebody. I'm going to say that again. You do not have to compromise your values and your belief and your faith in order to love someone. But disapproval will quickly trump your love. What do you mean? If I'm telling you that I love you and I'm building a relationship with you, but then I begin to disapprove of you or disapprove of the things that you are doing, so you are saying, well, Pastor, now you're, you're just condoning what they're doing. No, I'm not. I'm just not, I'm not going to disapprove them as someone that God loves and that I love. Because as soon as I disapprove, they don't care what you've said about how much you love them. So folks, I'm trying to teach us, I'm trying to give us some resources that will help us outside of these walls to love people that we think are unloving or that have hurt us. See, a lot of times the hurt that we have towards other people is because of uh, predetermined belief systems that we've had through the teachings that we have received and we treat people a certain way. Racism in your heart is because of the things that you've been taught and told. Do you know what the opposite of love is? It's not hate. It's fear. The opposite of love is fear and what you fear you won't even try to attempt to love. But perfect love casts out all fear. And there's no torment in it. All right, let's go to 1 John 4 and we'll wrap this up. Verse 20, 1 John 4. Frank, if you'll get ready to come. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he can see, how can he love God whom he cannot see? This commandment we have from him that he who loves God must also love his brother. Now religion has taught us to point our finger and wag our tongues and say shame on you. But Jesus has said out of his great love shame on me. 
He was despised and rejected of men. He bore our sorrows and our grief and our shame. And Isaiah 61, 7 says, instead of shame, you will enjoy double honor because he took the shame upon him. We're not going to make a difference in the lives of others by being petty, by yelling at people and carrying signs in protest and bashing people over the head with our Bibles. We're not going to reach them that way. It's going to be through love. The world needs a hug more than they need advice. That's going to be my next (laughs) t-shirt. I don't have any advice, but I do have a hug. Because the world needs to understand the grace, the love, and the kindness of God. For God so loved the world that he came beating them up. For God so loved the world that he told sinners what their sins were. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Please don't stop there. Go to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In the Message Bible, God did not send his son Jesus coming to point a finger of accusation. The Message Bible says he didn't come pointing a finger of accusation. That's what the law did. He came giving his life. No greater love has this than no man than he lay down his life for his friends. Loving people that have hurt you or don't have the same values and belief systems that you have does not mean that you must lower yourself to love them. It's not a pride thing, but a lot of people think that, you know, I'm up here because I'm a child of God and they're down here because they're an unbeliever. We'll even call them a sinner. And I would lower myself to come to where they are to love them. That's not lowering yourself. It's exalting Jesus in the situation. Never be too spiritual to love someone. Quit trying to hide the bad stuff and stop ignoring the realities of conflict and just love people. Listen. One of the ways that we can start to love those who have hurt us is through forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forgot what they did to hurt you. Okay, listen to me. I'm not telling you that you forget what happened to you. You just have a different memory of it now. What is the memory? It's healed because God touched you. Forgiveness does not mean releasing the offender of the consequences. If someone murdered one of my children, love doesn't say that you don't have to suffer the consequences of that. But love does say, I'll come and forgive you, I'll I'll meet with you in prison, I'll see what your needs are. But see, we've got this mentality to love people. We've got to forget that they hurt us. No, you just remember that because of that hurt, you learned a lesson, God healed you of that, and now you can love better. Doesn't mean that you're releasing someone of the consequences. And thirdly, 
Love or forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. There are people who have been hurt and relationships have gone awry. But loving the person that calls that doesn't mean that you reconcile with them sometimes. You can love people from a distance. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Would you begin to ask the Holy Spirit to transform you, to heal you, to release you from bitterness and anger, fear, depression, hopelessness, so that you can love like you've never been hurt before? Just begin to, in His presence right now, just take a deep breath and remember that God's promised you brighter days. Some of you may still be in the process of healing. Just ask for a fresh baptism of his love this morning. Surrender to God. Surrendering to God is not a prescription for perfection. It's just surrendering your will to his will so that he can love through you. You're still going to have battles. You're still going to have trials. You're still going to have conflict. But hallelujah, the Prince of Peace is the prescription for our peace. And he lives on the inside of us. Father, we thank you for this time together today. We thank you for how you ministered to us in the worship. Thank you for this encouraging word to go forth, that we would take heed to this, learn a few things that we can do to begin to love better, to love well to love those that have hurt us and to love even though we've been hurt like we've never been hurt. Penetrate the hearts and the minds of everyone in the building and the sound of our voice this morning, those watching online and even in other countries as they listen. Just begin to soak them, saturate them in your love this morning. I believe he wants you to know that it's tangible just feel his love whether it's his arms wrapped around you or his whisper in your ear or the hug that you need whatever that may tangibleness of his love may be this morning I believe he wants to share that with you today Father we thank you again for your son and his demonstration display of love for us that while we were yet sinners he laid down his life for us in Jesus name Amen. would you just lift your hands as antennas right now and just begin to receive a fresh outpouring say these words, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive. Yes, Lord. I don't know what he's downloading into you right now. I believe he wants you to feel his love, but there may be other things that he's trying to say to you right now. Just receive from the Lord. <laughs> 